there's a saying, right, that, that clarity is power. And the opposite of that saying would be the lack of clarity is a lack of power. And I think that's just as important. So if you don't feel grounded and certain, the likelihood that you're going to set powerful goals is going to be very low. And the first step is finding some level of certainty. And so whatever you need to do, whoever you need to invest in or talk to, you've got to get to a level of certainty that you can create progress in your life. Welcome to the Clear Choices Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Eigner, and it is my unique privilege to bring you intriguing conversations with people who have made the bold choices necessary to elevate their lives and create a positive impact on the world. By hearing their stories, I hope you walk away more motivated and more inspired to do the same in your life. Because we all have choices to make. My goal is to help inspire you to make more conscious and powerful choices, clear choices. Now let's get started. Have you ever thought about hosting your own podcast? This episode of Clear Choices is brought to you in partnership with Libsyn, powerful podcast hosting, the podcast hosting distribution and monetization platform since 2004. Use promo code CHOICES and you can get over one month of free services. Go to Lipson.com, promo code CHOICES. Hello, Clear Choices listeners. This is Rob Eigner. Welcome to the final episode of the year. And I have a special guest here today that's kind of ideal for uh, talking about the end of the year. Uh, The end of the year is typically a time where people think of New Year's resolutions, they think of goal setting, they think of reshaping themselves with a clean slate for the next year, in this case, 2021. So I've uh, brought to the table today, Matt Teeter. Uh, Matt is a uh, MAPS coach at Keller Williams Realty. Uh, He oversees uh, over 80 leadership coaches who have 1,600 leadership clients around the world. Uh, He's also the owner of several real estate-related businesses. He's married and will soon be uh, working on adopting his own child. Uh, Matt is only 33 years old and uh, takes on huge responsibility, not only as a coach, but really coaching people who coach others. So Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Rob. I, I really appreciate you being here. So talk to me a little bit about what it's like coaching coaches. It's one thing to coach clients in the business world. It's another thing to guide leaders on guiding other leaders. So talk to us a little bit about that process. Yeah. So the, the thing I would say about that is, um, you know, when you're leading any profession or any group of people as a leader, you, you don't think about being ahead from the perspective of being better than people. You think about being ahead from the perspective of how can you contribute to them growing? Um, and what I would say about leading a group of people that coach other people to lead others as meta as that comment is, right. Um, is that, your responsibility for staying ahead uh, is exponentially bigger. So what I'd say is it's a, uh, it's a daily humbling experience. It's a massive undertaking. Um, it's, and it's a great responsibility because the people that I have the privilege of being in partnership with are some of the smartest people on the planet. So how, so how does Matt stay ahead? Um, 
you know, truly what I was taught this concept by a mentor of mine of, and you, and you've probably had it shared or, or, you know, people have heard it of net time, which is no extra time required net NET time. Right. And, um, when I heard that, what I realized is that I'm a runner. So when I run, I could listen to music or I could listen to a podcast like this or uh, an audible book. Right. And for the last decade, I've made a decision that when I drive in my car or when I'm on my, on my feet on the road running or when I'm doing my workout, that uh, even though my wife and I love music and we've gone to, uh, you know, Coachella four times, and we've gone to, you know, ACL and here in Austin multiple times, and we love music festivals. We, we save that for being live. And I spend all of my time in workouts and other time where I have the ability to listen to something in personal development. And I think that's the, it's not really different or fancy or great or, you know, and yet if you were to say, what's the secret of that? I think that's probably a, a, a big difference. It's just time on task. Yep. I love it. So you brought up running. So that's going to uh, pivot me to sports. Cause I know you have a, a background in sports and, uh, and I do as well. And I definitely find that I have a affinity or a bias, you know, when I'm looking to hire talent, for example, you know, sometimes someone's athletic background can be the deciding factor if everything else is equal. So tell us a little bit about your background in sports and how you draw upon it as a coach. Yes, yeah, so I played uh, baseball uh, from the time that I was three years old until and I, and I played men's league. So up until just a couple of years ago, so for more than 23 years uh, of my life. And uh, I played college baseball uh, and I also coached college baseball. And I think that, first of all, what what sports teach you how to be a team player, right? Um, you know, there's very few sports, even people would consider, you know, well, what about boxing? What about golf? Those are individual sports. Not really. You have a caddy and you have trainers, right? So any sport, right, will teach you to be a team player. What's great about sports like baseball is, it doesn't matter how great of a game that you have. It doesn't matter how well you're playing. It doesn't matter. You need other people to win. And I think that that simple lesson in life is powerful for anyone. And uh, uh, it's a great sports are one of the greatest examples of what life is all about in a few hours. Right. You've got you've got winning and losing. You've got challenging situations. You've got you've got important decisions that you right or choices that you need to make. Right. And um, that's what you do your whole life. It's just you do that in every game or every sport in a couple hours. And so um, it's a microcosm for life. And it's an accelerator. If you are willing to look at that and say, okay, you know, in baseball, you make an error and then there's the next pitch. Right. Well, in life, that happens all the time. Right. You, you screw something up or something goes wrong and you're still now you've got to go make another presentation. Or you got to shake. You got to shake it off. Yeah. And so that that's there in life as well. And I think that um, that's what I've learned from that. And then also, you know, when you're when you have the privilege of being a captain or you have the privilege of leading other people inside that sport, you learn that you lead much more by your behavior than what you say. Mm -hmm. And you take the responsibility for what uh, I think John Maxwell called productivity-based leadership, right? The simple idea of leading by example, right? So I think there's so many things that, you know, you learn from, from sports. Also, the habits that you build, right, of how you take care of yourself and, and, and your health and your energy um, are also positive from that. Yeah, the, the discipline required for sure. And, and what I hear uh, you saying, you know, when you're talking about shaking off the, the error that you made is resiliency, 
So talk to me about how, how you go about finding your own resiliency. Cause there's, you know, like you said, there's setbacks all the time, whether it's business, personal life, et cetera, there's just constantly setbacks. And, and now this year, maybe more than we've ever experienced. So how do you, how do you find that resiliency when you're feeling weaker or vulnerable or whatever? You know, uh, again, another mentor told me this once. He said, you can't lose everywhere at the same time. <laughs> right. And, and that one stuck with me be, because it can feel like that. So what I look for is um, whatever, whatever it is in business or in sport or in life, you know, if something goes wrong, I look to get some type of win before the end of that day. Right. Every day I'm looking for a tie or a win, right? To put it in sports terms, right? Sure. So if I've got six things go wrong, I'm going to fight for six wins that day and see if I can end the day with a tie. It reminds me of that Navy SEAL who did that commencement speech who talks about like, start your day with making your bed. Yep. You know, it's like, hey, at least that's one thing I can check off that I did successfully, you know? So that that's great. So So let me switch over to what it's been like leading during this time. Because this time uh, in our life, uh, in our country's history, you know, for me, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 55, 56 now. So I'm quite a bit older than you. Um, and I can still say this might be the most unusual or challenging period I've ever seen in this country. So I'm assuming that leading during this time has brought, you know, new challenges. Yeah. So I think, you know, Right now, I'm in the you know in in the real estate industry, right? And so, just use a, an example from that industry, and I think many people are familiar. In 2008, we had an economic crash, right? Whether depending on where you're in the country, some people put it at the end of six, some people put it as late as ten, and yet it was in that period of time as our last recession. And um, you know, one of the things that you hear uh, people say in our industry is people say, "Well, you know, you didn't know how hard it was in 2008." Right. And, uh, you know, it kind of it's kind of a moniker or a, or a common conversation. And what's interesting is if you look at our industry and you study the most successful people, you find this pretty common pattern that many, many of them either massively grew their business through that time or started at that time. And it's I mean, the percentages are big. Of, of the successful people today that started in that time or really grew through the cauldron of that challenging time in the recession that directly impacted the industry that they were in. Mm-hmm. What that caused me to realize is that, you know, today we value the people from 2008 almost more, right, than, than in it, we value, you know, other things because they have a historical perspective of things going wrong and they've handled it before. Mm-hmm. And I think we can take that and project that forward. So one of the ways you lead through this time is letting people know that as hard as it is today, you're actually building your future value. Mm-hmm. In 10 years from now, people are going to look back and say, oh, remember the pandemic of you know 2020? And you'll be that old timer having that conversation that's annoying you now that other people are having with you saying, I remember how hard it was and the world press paused for two years and I you know worked from my closet on my computer or whatever it was, right? And it will increase your value. So one thing in leading for that is giving a more global or long-term perspective. Another thing is helping people realize that as challenging and new as this is to us, we've been here before, mm-hmm. right? 
you know, in 1918, we, the Spanish flu, if you actually do the research, there's a book called pale rider and you know, that, that, talks about this. And there's a lot of things that do what you realize is it's eerie how similar it was. And there's some things that are scary about that because history, uh, uh, the saying I think is history doesn't often repeat itself. Man does. Right. You know, something like that. Right. So it's not that history is exactly the same. It's that we don't learn from the lessons and we repeat the mistakes. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you look at 1918, we've repeated the mistakes. I mean, it's like a playbook for what we're doing now. That's not great. Yet the leadership aspect of that is we've survived this before. Mm-hmm. You know, we've made this through it as a society. And, and you know, I think you, Rob, and, and myself have probably seen the other piece, which is, People have said like, well, we had World War One, and we had World War Two, and we had the Korean War, and we had nuclear right, you know, uh, unrest, and we had you know the Bay of Pigs, and we had uh, civil rights uh, uh, challenges uh, and issues and, and problems in our country, and we've had uh, uh, rioting, and we've right, and we've had uh, uh, you know East and West Berlin and the Berlin Wall and issues that we had right, and you've we've all seen probably these historical perspectives of the last hundred years of challenges that we've overcome. Mm-hmm. And then you look at this and go, we're in a pandemic and we're working from our homes and where it's hard with looking at that, it pales in comparison to where we've come from. Yeah. Right. And so I think it's it, how you lead. That was maybe a very long way of saying that it's about gaining perspective. And I think that's a real positive way to look at it. Certainly, uh, many of us can point to things that have been positive as a result of this. You know, I'm I'm spending more and maybe more quality time with my family as yeah. a result of being home. And I'm enjoying that. And um, although I'm not the best at technology, you know, I, I, I didn't know what Zoom was, you know, 18 months ago. And now I'm, you know, recording a podcast on it. So there's been benefits. What are some of the other benefits you see that have come out of it already? Well, I, I think yeah, I watch my wife, you know, take art classes, drawing classes, painting classes, photography classes, and 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 reconnect with a hobby with you know world renowned artist for you know a hundred dollars, right, on Zoom, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 rekindle that relationship. Like you connecting more with my family, I think you know is a massive benefit. Um, another thing is that we we can't over uh, uh, estimate the the value of pressing pause in our lives. For the last five to six years, I didn't stop at all at any time, right? And I don't think that I would have. And I don't know the ne- the cost or the negative to what that would have been. However, what I, it has allowed me to do is to reframe and regroup how I move forward based on realizing that I can earn an income, I can build my lifestyle, I can I can grow my family without having to leave my home. And what you realize is once you can do that from your home, well, you can do it from anywhere. And Tim Ferriss, basically. Yeah, that's right. It creates freedom for you. It's actually a freeing thought. It's actually a freeing uh, you know, development and being forced, so to speak, into that environment creates so much opportunity. So um, I think you're asking a great question, which is, if I haven't found the silver lining or what the opportunity is, it's asking yourself, right, what's great about this, right? I, lo- what- I love I love the connection you make with freedom because I was a big fan. I was uh, awestruck really by the, the four-hour work week when that book came out. And I was like, how can I possibly obtain that? And frankly, you know, you've just made, you've connected the dots for me that this pandemic is maybe the closest I've come to it. 
Uh, interesting. Very, very powerful. So again, I'm going to pivot. You know, you mentioned something during that last um, download about um, diversity issues uh, and racial unrest. So, so how has that impacted your leadership? The, 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 the unfortunate things that we're still dealing with is in this country right now that have really become more prominent. Um, I think that there's a lot of really, you know, mistakes in commenting on this would be to say something like we didn't know, or it goes without saying, because if it went without saying, and we didn't know, we wouldn't be in this place. Right. Right. So I think the first, the first thing that it impacts in leadership is an awareness to inequality and an equity, right? When equity is really what we're, what we're driving for, that was not a primary focus in our decision-making as leaders really in many, if not most, or all businesses. And why that's so problematic, right, is not just the, the I hope, obvious reasons that people are dying, right, that they are, that they are not building wealth, that they are not creating the opportunities or have the opportunities for their family, and then we're not in an equitable world, right? I mean, that, that is why it is fundamentally problematic and must be fixed now, right? And that's an equality uh, uh, issue first. The equity issue, why it's problematic is that the, the safer that people feel uh, across the board, the more comfortable that they are and the more time that they have to, to think or tinker or innovate, the better the world becomes for all of us. Mm-hmm. Because the most powerful thing that we have that every animal, every other animal, right? More animals that doesn't have is cognition. Um, we have the ability to think and to innovate and collaborate through a shared language that allows us to be able to live a better life. And so far, no other being uh, has, has shown the ability to do that. When you ostracize or eliminate a group of people's ability to make fundamental contributions to the betterment of all of us, um, you're eliminating the ability for yourself to live a better life. And, you know, so as a leader, it's awareness is the first step to change. So, so step one, you know, in this is personal education. It's, you know, and that's the journey that I think all of us have to be on and continue to be on. So I've added personally this year, books on diversity, equity, uh, uh, inclusion, social equality, and justice to my standard reading on a monthly basis so that my awareness is increasing. And I'm in an interracial marriage. So I would say I have some access to that information, yet not the knowledge that I need to lead an effective level across the board. And I'm still learning. I'm nowhere near where I need to be. Well, to, to your point, I, um, I had an episode a couple of months ago where I interviewed the authors of a book about implicit versus explicit bias. And I went into the interview. I mean, first of all, I really prepared. I read the book and I, you know, prepared for it. And then when I spoke to them, you know, I went into the interview thinking I'm one of those people, like I'm not, you know, I don't have any biases. I'm really open and et cetera. And my, my, my wife, I, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm in an interracial marriage, but my wife is dark skin. She's Middle Eastern. So she, you know, she gets re- she gets mistaken for African-American sometimes. Right. So I still experience some of that, that, mm-hmm. uh, that feeling. And uh, I realized talking to these uh, authors that, wow, you know, I really do have a lot of uh, 
unknown biases, you know, hidden in, in me that I need to work on. Have you found some of those blind spots for yourself? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that and, and what I would say is, you know, books like How to Be an Anti-Racist or White Fragility. I think that, you know, you asked the question, have you found those blind spots, which is an interesting question to ask, right? Because the the only way to answer that question is from a, a perspective of, yes, and this resource or this person showed it to me. Mm-hmm. That's why education is the first step. And that's why awareness is the first step to change because what's implicit, right? Or what's blind is not going to be fixed. And so we've got to bring it to the surface. And how do you do that? You have the hard choice is putting yourself in a place where you're willing to be vulnerable and look at yourself. That's right. right? And as a leader right now, universally, our preference would be that everybody does that. Right. And, and that's where we need to be. However, as a leader, what you do is you model the behavior of success and you teach people, other people how to think. And so you do it first. And that's the leadership responsibility right now is exposing yourself to those different conversations and those resources that can, are very challenging, that give you a litany of I'm doing this wrong. That's not the right way to approach this. I have to think about this another way. Right. And open your eyes so that you're able to be that accountability source or that partner for other people for them to take those same steps. That's a great answer. And, and it's a and it's a perfect transition to the next thing I wanted to go to, which is sort of the stereotypical, hey, you know, we're at the end of the year, people are thinking of those New Year's resolutions. I know that, you know, you the coaching you do on a professional level is much deeper than than just a New Year's resolution. But but talk to the the audience a little bit about about goal setting and about you know what a, a true reset for next year can look like because I think more now than ever people really feel like they need a they need a sense of like hopefulness for next year. Yeah. So so you know there's a saying right that that clarity is power right and the opposite of that saying would be the lack of clarity is a lack of power and I think that's just as important. So if you don't feel grounded and certain, the likelihood that you're going to set powerful goals is going to be very low, right? And the first step is finding some level of certainty, right? And it could be, I've made it through this. I'm going to make it through what's next, right? It could be that I'm building my future. It could be that, right, I'm earning the right to be a better version of myself. It could be 1% better each day. It could be, it doesn't matter. It's finding some level of of a foundation or being grounded for step one, because now once you've gotten to a level of, and I don't, you may need an outside source. You may need a motivational, inspirational speaker. You may need podcasts like this. You may need, you may need outside source to get you there. And so whatever you need to do, whoever you need to invest in or talk to, you've got to get to a level of certainty that you can create progress in your life. Right. And so once you get to that thought process, right. A great way to look at it is we have the privilege of being in business with a, a very high net worth individual and, you know, in, in Gary Keller. However, Elon Musk, Peter Thiel and other billionaires in the world have said similar things that Gary has, which is that when you set goals, the difference between Peter Thiel talks about in the book zero to one, the difference between how uh, uh, most people set goals and how billionaires set goals is most people say, this is what I want to do in the next 10 years. And I'm going to go about 10 years making it happen. And they said incremental, um, artificial, actually, steps on their way there. 
when billionaires set goals, they say, this is what I'm going to do in 10 years. And they ask themselves the question, how can I do it in the next six months? And there's two important things about that question. Number one, it will probably excite you. And that's important because if you write down a goal and you want to, and you want to lay out, well, here's what I want to do in my life. If it's not exciting, erase it and don't do it. Right. You should build a life that you're excited about. You're right. Waking up to being excited about your goals is different for different people. Right. And yet that's the first thing. The second thing is the idea of compressing time is extremely uh, powerful. And so it's the idea of how do I do the things I ultimately want to achieve in the shortest period of time or how much farther could I move towards that in the next 12 months or the next 12 weeks in comparison to me saying, here's my incremental step, right? And I'm going to work a little bit harder and do a little bit more and spend a little bit less or, or, or do a little bit more of these things. And I'm going to live a fractionally better life. I don't know about you, Rob. That's not exciting to me. It's not something I want to plan. Wah, and, wah, wah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, to, to be honest, saying it is kind of, is exactly that. It's a little sad. So, right? so what do you say to someone who goes, you know, I, I don't know what my goal is. I don't know what my passion is. I don't know, you know, yeah, sure. I want to make a hundred thousand dollars more this year, or I want to buy a house or whatever, but you know, that's not really what turns them on. They don't know what turns them on. They don't know how to get there. Yeah. So, so it's a great question. First of all, we all have goals, right? Whether or not we've attached that word to it is it right. So um, semantics are a funny thing. Words cause a lot of things to happen and they're also just words, right? And there's a lot of things in life that go both ways like that, right? So they're really powerful and they're also nothing. And you've got to decide what they are in that moment. So the word goal is what it is, right? You can call it whatever you want. However, we all have things we're aspiring to or moving towards. Just like when you said, make $100,000 more, buy a house. Those are goals, right? Those are goals, right? And so first thing is, instead of starting with what are my goals, start with what do you ultimately want your life to be like, right? What is your ideal life? There's a great book by two Stanford professors. Uh, I believe it's Stanford called Designing Your Life. And that's the book I gift all the time to college students, right? Um, and so, you know, you may have to go to outside sources to start looking at, you know, sometimes I tell people, you know, you may ask other people what their goals are and then try them on for them yourself, right? And say like, hey, do, I'm going to borrow that goal. Do I like that for me? Right? Uh, I don't really like that. Or, oh, that's a good goal for me. That, I, I, I like that. I'll plug into that, Right. Or you might, you might identify, you know, how do people set goals, right? How do they design their life? How do they think about an ideal world? Does that work for me? Uh, not really. Am I going to do a vision board? Uh, maybe, maybe not. What is it that allows me to see a more clear future? And as I think about that more and journal on it or identify resources and think, what does that look like? Do I want to travel the world? Do I want to sleep on a beach? Do I want to have multiple properties? Do I want to, right? And then it's, what do I desire to do every day to fund that future once I quantify it, right? So it's, what do I want? How do I fund it, right? And then designing, go out and get that. And that seems very esoteric. It seems very, right, uh, idealistic. It seems very optimistic. And yet it's the way that if you were to talk to the most powerful and, and smartest and innovative people in the world, that they look at life, and the cool thing about that is it's free. You can just adopt that thought process and you don't have to have their money to think that way. What I'm basically hearing you say is that, it, you know, you have to get your fingers in the mud. You got to you got to play around with the clay 
And it's not, it's not a static thing. You have to actually go out there and like try this and try that. And there's going to be trial and error. And then somehow you cobble together your pathway to finding your, your goals and your dreams. Yeah. One other thing I'll say on it, Rob, that, that when I was a leader in an organization, when, you know, I was consulting a lot of people in person all the time is people would say, well, I don't know what I'm passionate about. And I would always say to them, I said, well, listen, you know, I didn't open a drawer and find my passion. (laughs) That idea of finding your passion, like it's hiding somewhere that if you just look enough, it's going to show up. Your passion actually builds through execution. Mm -hmm. So there's a misnomer about finding. So I found something that I love, right? It's more like I've been doing something and on the journey and the process in reflection, I've realized I love doing this. Right. Yeah. And so that's, you know, there's a great story about the, uh, a fighter pilot. Right. And I love this story. And I, I wish I remembered the book that I listened to it on. And he was uh, in the, in the simulator, he was a, a, a fighter pilot and he taught people in the simulator and he was undefeated his entire career. And um, I remember they, they talk in the, this book, they interviewed him and they said, well, what is it, you know, what allowed you to be undefeated? And he said, oh, it's really simple. When the simulation starts, I move the joystick. And they said, well, what direction? He goes, doesn't matter. Because the second it starts, I'm taking action. He's taking action. action. And then whether it's right or wrong, I adjust from how they're responding. And I'm always in control. And that's a great way to live your life, which is instead of planning so much, identify something you have some interest in and act. Yeah. And if you hate it, you'll find out quickly, learn what didn't work for you and pivot instead of searching for something that's going to be perfect. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, this, this show that we're on is a lot like that. You know, I've always envisioned myself as a journalism major. I've always envisioned myself as a, you know, a talk show host or something. And, uh, you know, I finally was just like, all right, you know, I'm going to spend the money and put in the time and, you know, I've done 40 episodes. It's been amazing. It's been a, it's been a fun journey. So um, I'm going to throw a little curveball at you. So normally on every episode, I come with a quote prepared for the person that I'm interviewing that I think is relevant to their topic. And I also come with some data points, some stats of like, hey, here's what's going on in your industry or, you know, the, 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 whatever the issue is that you're an expert in. But yeah. you're such a, um, a library of stats and quotes that I'm going to um, ask you to bring me to, or bring our listeners today a quote that you think is really significant for what we've talked about and also some data points. Okay. Well, you know, by the way, that's a very leveraged way of approaching this. So great job. Uh, here's a, here's a quote I'm going to share with you. You know, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, right, who was an attorney before he became a, you know, a lot of things, right, including a monk. He, you know, we say he died with 11 possessions, right? Uh, you know, so this simplistic idea. He said this, which is really powerful. He said, first, they ignore you. Then they fight you. Then they laugh at you. And then you win. And I think what's so interesting is if you look at that, right, and you look at your personal experience and you think about that, right, very often we fight to be uh, recognized, right? We feel like, you know, everyone's ignoring me, right? If I just got the attention I needed, it would make things easier, right? Then you get recognized and everybody uh, can feel like they say you're foolish, 
or you're stupid, or you don't know what you're doing, or or you're cheating to do it, or right? You go, you know, how I'm going to prove to people that I'm doing it in reality, right? Then when everybody realizes you're legitimate, now they start competing against you, and so you almost harken back to, I wish they were just ignoring me again because <laughs> it was easier back when they ignored me or they thought I was an idiot or I was stupid, right? I, I wished it was not that way. Now I have to fight. Right. And I would say most people give up in the fight. Right. They, they, they quit. And what comes after the fight is you win. Right. And I think what's important about that quote is I've never had an experience in my life where it hasn't been true personally. Right. In leadership. And second of all, the best part about it is you ultimately win. It's just we don't know how long it's going to take. And and. If you can look at it from that perspective, you realize that the challenges that you're facing are actually predictable and hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions of leaders before you have defined that, right? Now, there's a second quote that I'll share uh, since I get to make the rules this time uh, (laughs) that I I live my life by. And it's Steve Martin, the comedian said, be so good, they can't ignore you. Yeah. And, And that struck me the first time I heard it and it strikes me now, right? And if you put those two together, Gandhi says, first, they ignore you. And what Steve Martin says is you have to be so good. They can't. Right. Right. And I think if you live your life by right, being so good at what you do, a commitment to mastery, right, a commitment to executing at the highest level, right, a commitment of self mastery, right? Who am I? What, where, what problems, flaws, challenges, blind spots, right? Do I have in my exposing myself to how can I learn and get better? Who do I need to involve in my world? Right. And then making a commitment long-term to a craft of developing my skill set at such a high level to that craft. Right. I'm now so good. I can't be ignored. Now I'm probably going to get laughed at and I'm probably going to have to fight to win. And yet I've overcome the first hurdle obstacle or step. And, um, the statistics behind that, I think, you know, you'd probably look at things like, you know, the number of of small businesses that fail, right? As a statistic, I think you'd look at things like the number of of people that, you know, companies that go public and fail, right? I think you look at things like the number of companies that venture capitalists invest in that don't work, right? Right. You know, as examples of this and say, okay, where does that show up? Well, where it shows up is somewhere between getting recognition, being laughed at, right, and fighting for their domination or their market position, they quit. And um, if you can recognize, unfortunately, in the challenge of life that you're going to progress through those phases and you can stay the course, you'll win, right? Uh, Elon Musk said, you know, uh, he challenges every business owner to set seven year visions instead of uh, 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 anything shorter. And somebody asked him, why do you say that? And he says, because he finds that most people have a three year vision. And if all your competition has a three year vision and you have a seven year vision, you'll automatically outlast them. And all of these conversations are go parking back to understanding that unfortunately human nature and leadership puts you through these trials, tribulations, and processes for execution and success. And if you're willing to accept that, right, you can win. And that is what's at the end. Yeah, no, I love that. And that, that Steve Martin quote, I love, cause I, uh, I have two boys, both of whom are um, athletes. Uh, and I, I constantly am saying that like, Hey, just, 
be as good as you can be so you can stand out, you know, um, and, and whatever, wherever the coach puts you, wherever, whenever they play you, start you, don't start you, put you in your regular position, not like just go crush it. So speaking of kids, um, what, what led you to the choice to uh, adopt? Yeah, it's, uh, well, my mother-in-law had, uh, challenges in her pregnancies and my uh, I guess you would say grandmother-in-law passed away um, during during childbirth wow. and so you know those those experiences can obviously leave a footprint on future generations right and so my life would be the future of those generations and I made a decision early on that that hereditary risk you know, risk is not worth you know her uh, stress and mm-hmm. her uncertainty. And so it was not very complicated from there. That's not mm-hmm. something that she wants to do. She's not confident with it. It's not my, it, that I'm, I don't carry the burden of the child. Right. Um, and so that's always her decision. And uh, that was an easy decision to make. Yeah, well, it's uh, you, you'll be, you'll be great at it. I guarantee you it'll be uh, life changing. And uh, from the, from the basis of this uh, conversation we've just had, I'm sure you're, your kid will be very well read <laughs> and uh, informed uh, on a lot of on a lot of topics. Um, Matt, anything you want to share with the audience before we wrap up? Um, yeah. So what I would say is, and this maybe feels like out of left field in this conversation. Yet, uh, you know, we have these statements where we say, "Well, we wish I wish we learned that in school, right?" Or "I wish they taught us this." And what I would challenge you with is pick one of those things and teach yourself. You know, um, one of the things that I was not raised around money personally, it was, you know, money was the root of all evil. I had, you know, and maybe I'll come back on and earn the right in the future to have that conversation, right? About how do you overcome financial, you know, mindset limitations? And I feel like I've done a good job in doing that and yet have lots of room to grow. And I just made a commitment that I was going to understand money. You know, and, and, and I was going to under, you know, and I wasn't going to keep saying like, well, you know, wealthy people know this and I don't. And, and that, because the truth behind it is if you want to be wealthy, you have to know. Right. And, and I think that there, we have a lot of these, you know, there's a lot of things that we say that don't serve us. And um, a lot of things that we say are externalizing blame for the responsibilities that we can take in our own life. Right. So we say, you know, people didn't teach us this or I didn't have this advantage. Right. And then learn. therefore you're a victim of it. And, and, and so for that reason, I can't. Right. And, you know, we just watched a young man who the first young man, Chris Nitschik, um, in the history of, of mankind, complete a full Iron Man and he has Down syndrome. Right. Right. And, and, and no, that Down syndrome is his gift. Right. It's not his disability. And yet at the same time, when you look at that, what can we not do? Well, the difference is we're limiting ourselves. We're not seeking. He didn't think, well, I can't go do that. He thought, well, uh, you know, I'm going to need some training and what, how am I going to put it together? He's choosing the challenge and, and many of us are choosing to avoid the challenge. Yeah. And so I think that that's the, you know, you're going to grow in the direct proportion Um, you know, and and your life will grow in direct proportion to the level of discomfort that you're willing to tolerate. And, and, you know, if you choose, that's the difference. You can either choose the discomfort, right. Or you can have it put upon you yet. It's coming either way. So the cool part is that if you choose the discomfort in an effort to make yourself better, you will. And when it comes, when you haven't chosen it, you'll be more prepared. 
Go pick the things that you don't know. Go, go take responsibility for the stories that you've decided are the things that are holding you back and own them and watch what happens in difference to who you become in the life that you live. Yeah. So it's like that quote, you you can apply to anything. It's like, you know, what's better, the the pain of being overweight or the pain of losing weight. And you can apply that to any question you want. Matt, you've been uh, a great guest, a great way for us to to end the season this year. I wish you uh, a great 2021. I wish you great luck with uh, the adoption process and becoming a father. And, uh, And thanks for being here today. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's it's an honor and a privilege. And, and more importantly, it's an important conversation, not because I'm here because we're having it. It's an important conversation for people to pursue for themselves. So if in some way, shape or form, we unlocked something that people, you know, lean further into in this conversation, that's a great thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that happened. Thank you, listeners, for being a part of this today and this year. And remember, if you are interested in learning more about podcasting yourself, go to Libsyn.com for powerful podcast hosting and use promo code CHOICES. And we'll be back in January. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've been inspired and motivated by what you heard today, please subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. Post it on social media, invite friends, and let me know if you have any potential guests. While you're there, leave us a review. We'd love to connect with you as well, so check out our Facebook page by searching Clear Choices. I'm available for speaking engagements, and you can find more information by visiting our website at clearchoices.live. And all this can be found in our show notes. Join us next week for more inspiring stories that can help us all make clear choices. Thanks for listening.